0: DSB. Talk Sport and Business Talk 100.3 well, We've got a fantastic guest next on the show. It is Rima Jafalai who is the Saudi Arabian professional racing car driver who competes in the Formula 4 category. She is incredible because she's the first ever Saudi Arabian woman racing driver and also the first Saudi woman to hold a racing licence and Rima Reema is, uh, has been waiting patiently online. Thank you very much for joining us on Talk 100.3. Hello,
2: hi. Good to be Hi, Rima.
0: Rima, thank you very much. Thank you very much for, for joining us. You know, what's uh, at, at the at the early age? Where can you remember your passion for for motorsport and cars coming from?
1: Yeah, actually, racing in uh, GT three. So okay. I, I did race in Formula Four and Formula Three. Uh, but the passion really came from just my love for cars and for separately. And then in college, just being exposed to different sports, and one of them was Formula One just as a fan. Uh, it sparked my interest, and I was like, this actually combined both my passions. And did some research and, and found that, you know, anyone can get their racing license and, and race. Uh, maybe not become a Formula One driver, but it's still possible to pick it up later in life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of uh, how it started for me.
2: Well, you know what I mean, this definitely is one of those steps that you've taken that will help and pave path for a lot of youngsters that want to follow you. Now, could you could you tell me, I mean, what kind of support you've received in this entire process for you to start off to get your license and to get out uh, on the track?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, with, with something like this, uh, like racing, it's you know, not very familiar in, in my region. The most important thing initially was um, educating myself and getting the right information. And once I did, it was obviously the support of people around me, um, other racing drivers, to give me the right guidance um, and and timing. I think for sure for me it was I came back to Saudi and was starting a, a you know a new chapter in my life, and actually found the time to pursue something, you know, on the side, and, and I was definitely fortunate to be able to do that, and it, it started off just me training for uh, a race in Abu Dhabi for six weeks prior to the race, mm-hmm. and, the, you know, the biggest support for me really was um, something I it was very unexpected that, you know, the reaction of everyone after I participated in my first race was overwhelming support and encouragement, and uh, you know, coming into this completely new I was like, Oh my god, actually this is I have to take this a little bit more seriously
0: if if right. this is
1: the reaction and, and uh yeah, it's it's kind of what really pushed me to take it full on.
0: It's it's exceptional what you've done, and, and you hear you know what motivates you. You were here in generally January, uh, January in, in Dubai uh, with the GT3. You there finished uh, second in the 24 hour race in one of the fantastic Mercedes AMG cars. I love those cars. That would be my dream to get behind one of those. And for the 24 hour race, you know you did so well there uh, racing for for six hours in total. We often hear when you're a, a professional driver how fit you have to be, and and, and the the G forces and everything that it puts on the body. What do you have to do to stay fit in order to spend six hours behind the, you know, the wheel of one of the cars in a GT3 race?
1: Yeah, good, good question. Um, you know, it's not like a lot of sports. It's not very easy to get in a car and have track time. So when you do, it's very valuable. Um, and in order to be fit for races like that and, and just, you know, um, driving around the track at that limit and consistently, it's all about stamina and strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in terms of focus, you also need to be very focused. That takes a lot of energy and attention. So endurance training is a lot of what I do. Um, so I picked up cycling, which I love, and um, it was a good way for me to train out of the car. Uh, I also picked up some running as well, which is quite easy to do anywhere. And um, all, of, all of these things helped me in the car, and I didn't realize, just how important it was being fit um, not just in terms of strength and you think about it as power and strength but it's concentration it's attention it's not having the up and down um, in a race you want to be as balanced and consistent
2: tell me something reema i mean you know while while we're talking about and understanding how important it is to be fit to you know take the wheel uh, we've never neither I nor Kitsch we've sat in a race car ever ever so how how is it inside I mean are, are the seats comfortable that you can actually sit there comfortably for six hours no, no, can you, can, I've, I've sat in one of the cars have you? those
0: seats are hard yeah I mean see I mean for, yeah. for,
2: for me I mean you know I mean can can you can you switch on the AC and then probably turn it off when it becomes a little too cold while you're driving no. or does all of these things come in <laughs> Um, well, well,
1: actually, there's questions that I think a lot of people have asked, asked me surprisingly. So some of these cars have uh, AC, uh, but when you turn on the AC, you're, you're removing from some of the power from the car. So even if it's just a minuscule amount, mm-hmm. you don't want to turn on the AC. you rather just be in there hot, um, dealing with the temperature. Because even with with an AC, it's not efficient to cool you down because you're getting hotter, uh, and the and the car, the car is quite hot just on the inside. On the seat is, is is comfortable as it can be because you get a uh, mold uh, per driver per seat, okay. so it's very snug. So you mm-hmm. you don't move in the seat. So that's the most important thing. Not really the cushioning, and um, it's just being able to be completely. protected uh, uh, not protected, but supported on all, on all edges.
0: When, when it comes to, to driving, I mean, you've often said that one of your dream uh, dreams is uh, racing at the, the 24-hour Le Mans race. How, how close are you mm-hmm. to get there? How can we help you uh, achieve this dream of competing in the legendary 24-hour race?
1: Yeah, it, it seems a lot closer now that I've done the debate 24 hours. But with, with the 24 Hour of Le Mans, it's all about experience in these endurance races. So that means more races. Uh, it means that I need to get more experience, whether it's in the region or even internationally in Europe. Um, so that means, obviously, sponsorship. It means um, partners. So that's definitely, uh, you know, what, what you need in order to get into Le Mans without, with the right to partners and experience
0: um, alike. Yeah, back in uh, 2020, 2021, last year, you were the official race ambassador in the inaugural uh, Saudi Grand Prix for the F1. Uh, Going forward, you know, how do you sort of aim to contribute and inspire other women who might want to get into motorsport?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a really good question, something I've thought of um, a lot because initially, you know, I came into the sport as a beginner, you know, learning it for myself, and a lot of people are asking me at the same time, how do they get their racing license? How do they get on track? And my, my question, my answer to the question is they, you know, the best way is to go to their local federation, local track, mm-hmm. and ask them, you know, how do we, how, what are the steps in order to get into racing? And in the, they're actually a lot simpler than um, you think. And what, I, what how I'd like to contribute, I think, is I would love to br- bring people along on the journey Um, You know, show them what it takes uh, and and hopefully even give them some opportunities, whether it's in Saudi or abroad, um, to get some experience on track, whether it's as a driver, a mechanic, an engineer. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so many facets to the sport, so I think uh, it'll open doors to everyone who's uh, even interested, not just for the driving side.
2: Yeah, while you mentioned about uh, you know trying to show them the path, help them uh, gain understanding and knowledge, uh, you know one of the one of the things, one of the secrets of uh, uh, race driving is obviously the racing license, which is definitely different from uh, uh, the normal license that we acquire to drive cars on the road. Uh, how difficult is it to acquire one? Because uh, for for someone like me, I, I took ten attempts to pass and get my driving license here in the UAE. And this is just a street driving license. Yeah, and that's
0: why I've never been in the car with you after the first time. <laughs> so, I mean,
2: you, you, you see how, how good, I, I mean, I, I, either I could be really good or really bad, nothing in between. But then if, if someone has to apply for a, a race license, how does the process work? I mean, does one just go to the authorities and say, listen, I want a racing license or are there tests? Are there formalities? Are, is the fitness a point that uh, the you know, yeah. it's looked into?
1: Yeah, so it's, 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 it's generally the track or the, your, your local federation that you would go to regarding a race license, but it's mm-hmm. actually easier than you think. Um, so it's a matter of, you do a medical check, um, and then it's all, the race license is a safety check, if you like, to make sure that you know all the rules, all the, uh, what happens in certain scenarios in the race, how to react. Okay. So there's um you know a, a physical, but also a written assessment. Mm-hmm. And, and at the track, when you when they get in the in the car with the instructor, it's just to see that you can uh, abide by the the rules and the, the flag signals on track. But it's not about driving fast, and they don't want any of that. It's just to show that you know
2: what the rules are. Interesting,
0: now, when it comes to the trading methods, you mentioned some of the marima, but with the the holy month of Ramadan, how do you adapt yourself to to your training routine
1: yeah uh, it's it's tough that's, that's definitely one and I think you the most important thing is you have to adjust it to how your lifestyle is and uh, at least the load that I used to do in terms of trading. I can't do the same extent in Ramadan. Um, I can split it up, uh, so I'll do, uh, what, do you, what we would we would call zone two or um, low intensity work before a start, mm-hmm. and uh, after a start it would be more of my endurance, the things that are uh, a little bit more strenuous. You know, I, I can definitely still do all of those, but just because of the timing of the day, instead of doing I don't know a, a 15 hour uh, training week, it, it's a lot less. But I think also I take that time to work on other things like, you know, my mobility, reactivity, things that I sometimes um, neglect when I'm just focused on training and racing
2: that makes sense because i need to adapt and need to alter uh your training methods depending on uh, the time of the year uh if, i mean again you know if if you are in the winter months things are different in the summer months trainings are different in season off season but then you know this is this is a, a, a very very a unique uh uh challenge that we face here i was in fact yesterday talking to an athlete uh who is right now who plays cricket for ua and he is and, and they are undergoing an Pre-season training and pre-season training means they put in more hours in the gym, training, working towards their muscles and he's fasting. So, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a very unique situation that he's trapped in. And we had this conversation. We were trying to understand, you know, probably the shift of hours instead of training in the day. Maybe he probably could train after after iftar. He has that enough energy to go through the, the plans. So you know, I mean, this, this is this is very, very interesting and very unique situation that we find ourselves in.
0: Uh, Reema, you, you've, you've driven it in a lot of parts of the world. What are some of your favorite circuits to race on?
1: Yes, yeah, I think one of the most favorite I think was it's called Spa Francorchamps in Belgium. Um, that's uh, an incredible track. It's, it's long. It's fast. It's undulating. Uh, so it you know, has its, uh, at one point, I actually don't remember the level the track is, but you, you go through, very, it's almost like a roller coaster when you're walking it, mm-hmm. uh, but that would be one of the top tracks. I also really enjoyed Silverstone um, in the UK. Uh, Dubai is another great track. I really like the one, in the, the also drone. Uh, it's quite fun and, and uh, it's quite, you're working quite often because it's not very fast, but it's, um, had a lot of corners, and uh, so you have to kind of laugh and get and, and work around traffic a lot.
2: You know, uh, there there is a, a very very interesting uh, question that uh, you know I, I personally want to ask you, and uh, it it primarily comes in like you said that you are someone who's very keen on. Creating a path uh, for young uh, women drivers in Saudi. So, since since you began your journey, you know how has the sport grown in popularity? You know amongst other women in Saudi now that they have a role model to look up to.
1: Uh, it's it's incredible how much the sport has grown. Um, you know, I couldn't have grown it truly. We started off with Formula E, uh, mm-hmm. then we hosted Dakar, and now we're hosting a Formula One. And I think that you know, even though we're we're either one of the, the three top uh, international events in motorsport, um, there's still more to come from from Saudi and building the infrastructure. You know, we're we're still in that in let's say the infancy of that, and I think we're only going to see more participation of locals in all of these events. And I think it, right now, when I see female participation, especially in the Saudi Grand Prix, being on the ground there and seeing everyone working, whether it's in the construction or the operations, the amount of—I mean, young people and women in particular—it uh, was so, so nice to see. The, you know, them being—you uh, know—super excited about something that in, is in their country, but also motorsports, which is very new to them all, and. and see them take it on
0: and the challenge was amazing. Well, Reema, it's it's been an honour to speak to you, You without doubt, an inspiration to so many, uh, so many athletes worldwide, being the first ever Saudi Arabian woman racing driver and also the first Saudi woman to hold a racing licence. As you said, uh, you're doing so well in the GT3, especially after that podium finish here in Dubai in the 24-hour race. Uh, it's been an honour speaking to you, and thanks very much for joining us here on Talk 100.3.
1: My pleasure. Thank you all. Have a good day.